When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. Oh, the devil are you? Hello, Thursday. Did you hear that beeping? Can you hear this as well? No, you can't. Anyway, I'm uh, I'm about to go to the supermarket, but it's not going to stop raining. But enough of my problems. Um, how's things? Good. Good week. Um, thanks so much for uh, the lovely feedback on, on last week's episode, the, the listener Q&A. We've only done a couple of those, haven't we? And they're, they're kind of nice. I think they're enjoyable. I don't think we should do a lot. But every now and again, it's always lovely to connect with you all and answer your questions. Now, speaking of questions, I did ask if um, you would like me to pose questions to this week's guest. It's John Sim. Um, but you know what? Time ran away. We just didn't have time to uh, ask him your question. So I'm sorry for all those people that did sending questions for John. Um, we didn't get down to him, but, but forget about that. It doesn't matter because this week's episode with John Sim is an absolute peach. Um, I've known John for many years and um, we've worked together a few times and it's just great to sit down with him and have a cup of tea. He's, I mean, you know, he's known for such dramatic roles on telly and on stage. But if anybody saw him, which it comes up in the conversation, if anybody saw him um, at the Bush Theatre in the West End in Elling, which is a play that is based on a brilliant film, actually. Uh, He's hilarious. And he's hilarious in real life. He's such good company. And I'm so pleased that um, he was in Manchester and he pressed the doorbell and popped round for a cup of tea and a good natter, which is what this is. Um, Now, if you support us on Patreon, uh, there is a little video up there of John and me. And also, very soon, you will find out who, well, later on today, if you're on Patreon supporters, you'll find out who next week's guest is. Um, and also, she came round my house today and we had a brilliant, brilliant conversation. You're going to absolutely love it. It's a perler. Um, so what happened? So it was Monday. It was Valentine's Day. Eh, I don't really buy into that. But uh, I could not think of anybody else that I would love to spend my Valentine's morning and have a cup of tea with an Anatta than the remarkable Mr. John Sim. This is season nine, episode 13 of the Two Shot Podcast. Yeah. It's John Sim. You know, the acts are off the telly. Here we go. I'll see you at the end. That's for uh, for people of a certain age. You'll remember that. Alas, Smith and Jones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was very good. Yeah, it was very good. And the comedy element 
was the fact that there was a cowboy show called Alias Smith, Smith and Jones. We're going back even further. Yes, and I used to love that show. Yeah, I did. It was quite the Saturday night tea time show, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the Dukes of Hazard, but in sort of Western times. Which is what we need. Exactly, yeah. Jatem, John Sims, Jatem, what do we think about Valentine's Day? And you can answer in two different ways. You can give me your honest answer and you can give me the answer just in case Mrs Sim listens and we can just edit which one out. <laughs> um, I, well, you know, I think it's for um, it's for coursing couples, isn't it? It's for, like, young lovers and, you know... I think some, so. I, I, isn't it? I, well, I mean, we've always, you know, I've, stayed, I've sent her a card. Have you? Yeah. It's lovely. Because I'm not going to be there. I'm not no. there. So, um, sent her a card. No, I, I don't know if we even usually do that. I want to say that because, well, two things. I just went to go and get some... Blueberries from the co-op round the corner, and there was a young lad liberating between two really crap bunches of co-op flowers. <laughs> either way, mate, I'm yeah, sure yeah. you're pretty much fucked. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I used to know a guy, and every year, I'm going back in my early twenties, used to get a Valentine's card delivered from his mum. Oh my god! And I thought, I thought that was a bit odd. It's all right for the first when you're quite young and he doesn't get one from anyone else and yeah, your mum's trying to make him feel better. It's kind of sweet, but if it carries on into your early 20s... That's not sweet. That's weird. I'd have a word, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you want to reevaluate your relationship with your mother. <laughs> in, in deep therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The two of you together. Come on, talk it out. <laughs> um, I was doing some interviews earlier in the year and they were talking about... Inevitably, they were talking about the North and... Blackpool and training and growing up and all that. And they were saying, well, who who's, who were you looking at? Who was influencing you? Who said, who, gave, who opened the door for you and said, oh, you could possibly do it? And I cited you as one and also, like, Thulis, because there wasn't, like, right. loads of people on telly that I went, oh, well, they're from kind of from my area. Who was anybody that you were looking at when you were growing up and thinking... Yeah, I mean, yeah, there was actually. But that's weird because we did we we did, so we did go to the same college, didn't we? Mm. But not at the same time. No, we'll get on to that later. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, um, yeah well, mine was um, uh, like uh, Tom Courtney, right? Tom Courtney and Albert Finney, I think. I mean, the first time I ever was aware of acting was um, Rebel Without a Cause, and then Billy Liar. I watched him in Billy Liar. I watched Rebel Without a Cause. I thought, wow. That, that's a good job. He's really cool. Mm-hmm. I like that jacket, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And then I thought, well, but that's not for the likes of me. Well, that's it. And then I saw um, Tom Courtney and, and Albert Finney, you know, and thought, oh, oh, they're, they're Northern. They sound, well, I sound like them. So surely it must be doable. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, that, yeah, I looked up to them. But at college, at the Blackpool College was a complete mistake because I was in deepest, darkest Lancashire in Nel- a place called Nelson. And um, um, they, they've got a, a, a college called Nelson and Cone College, which is apparently the drama course wasn't very good. But mm. I was just very lucky because the drama teacher at school um, took pity on me and, and got me into Blackpool College, um, which was a good one, wasn't it? The one we went to. Well, it was the one... Blackpool Fire College was the one that everybody from around the north seemed to go to. Because I remember people travelling great distances yeah. every day to come. Were you travelling from Nelson every day? No, I had because um, it was just too far to do that. Yeah, it thank is. God. Mm. So I, um, I, I basically left home at sixteen and went to. I went home at weekends because I was still doing the clubs. I was doing the clubs with my dad. And so I'd go home at weekends. What were you doing in the clubs? I was, um, we, we were a club act. We used to play guitar. Right, and, okay. So he was a club artist. And by that point, I'd been doing it since I was about 11 or 12. Um, and so I was always sort of, uh, busy at the weekends and um, at, like Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. So, uh, you know, but I always had money at that age. Because I, I, don't, I don't think it was fair, the money thing. I think he took most of it. Yeah. <laughs> I had some. Yeah. Um, better than probably a paper round or a milk round yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, much better than that. But um, I never went out anyway, so I never spent spent it. But, um, yeah, so I'd go home at weekends and do the clubs and mm. then go back to college on Sunday night. Um, yeah, that one, that was the thing. So we had... Uh, um, I was in a boarding house in St Anne's. Um, and, yeah, a few boarding... I lived with a family called the Coxes, um, and then lived in a place called Orchie Court. I know what uh, it's called, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it was uh, known as Orgy Court. Yes, I bet it, I bet it was. <laughs> For some reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a different podcast altogether. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, we just had a lot, a lot of fun. 
you know, it was great. And we did musicals. Did you do musicals there? Yeah. They did the musicals, didn't they? Yeah, because you always do a musical. And you got to do it at the Grand Theatre. At the Grand Theatre. Did you, you, did you do West Side Story? Did Guys and Dolls. Guys and, and Dolls. West Side Story, That's yeah. right. Yeah, and, and so b- both those are very dear to me, even to this day. And, I, and, and what it did with Blackpool College was it was really good, but it made me realise I, I didn't want to do musicals, even mm. though I, I did enjoy doing West Side Story, especially West Side Story. Um, but I thought that's not actually what I want to do. So I joined an amateur dramatic society outside of college um, and, and, and we did Billy Lyre and Amadeus and I ended up doing, uh, you know, touring and doing things with them. So I started doing straight plays in my spare time because I thought that I think I want to do that instead of that. That's so interesting because I was talking about getting thrown out of Amadeus the other week. Wait, did you get uh, thrown out? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Where? In, Bla- in Blackpool? In St Anne's. Did you? Yeah. Which one was it? Maybe it was the same one. Um, was it Filed Coast Players? No, it wasn't Filed Coast Players because... No, it wasn't. Because I, I think... I don't know why, but I found it quite hard to find amateur groups that just did straight plays. Right, right. So I went in at 16 and they were doing, like, Annie and, you know... Yeah. Fucking yeah. Annie get you gone yeah. and, you know, they'd do a pantomime at Lather Pavilion and things like that. Yeah, and yeah. Then, you know, and then I... Open my big mouth and it all went to shit. Yeah. But, <laughs> best laid plans, don't best laid plans. So yeah. the doing the straight plays, were you getting nice parts in the amateur stuff early on? Yeah. Well, the reason I think the reason I started because when I was at school, um, I the, this drama teacher. I never did drama at school. I didn't. There was a, was it an option? It was an option, and I played football, so I didn't do it. I did football instead, and and like I, I saw Rebel Without a Cause and and. Um, uh, I, for some reason, stopped the drama teacher as he walked past me. He's called Mr. Wellock, mm. Brian Wellock. And I knew he was the drama teacher and he was also the art teacher. But um, I, I'd never spoken to him ever before, ever. I think it was in the fourth year. And I stopped him walking down the corridor. I went, oh, um, I saw uh, Rebel Without a Cause last night and I, I thought it was brilliant. And, he, and if he'd have just left, said, oh, right, why are yeah. you telling me? And yeah. carried on. My life would have been completely different. It's like a sliding doors moment, you know. Mm. And he didn't, though. He stopped and he went, oh, right. He went, and you are? And I went, oh, John Sim, I'm, I, we're not in, I'm not in any of your classes. And he went, so what, why did you think it was brilliant? And I, I just talked about it for a bit. And he just talked to me like an adult. He just sat and he was, oh. we had a chat. And, he, you know, we chatted about it. And, and then he went, well, here's an idea. Why don't you come to one of the drama classes? And I said, oh, I, I do football. He said, well, just... One time, just to come to the drama club. And they were doing Billy Liar. Um, and there was a guy called Paul Jowett, who um, he ended up at Blackpool College as well. Right. I, I think he's dead now, actually, I think, very sadly. But um, he was playing Billy Liar, I think. Oh, no, there was an audition for Billy Liar. Anyway, mm. I went in and uh, read. And it's one of those things, you know, I'm sure you had the same thing. You do it, the first time you do it, you kind of think, oh. And people go, wow, you're, you're really good at this. And you go, really? You know, it's like, I thought it was like, I'm just reading it, you know, and just... Anyway, so I thought, yeah, OK, great, OK, they're saying I'm really good at it. And I, I got down to the last two for Billy Liar. Right. And he got it, because he used to babysit for the drama teacher. And I was so angry about that. I was angry. Right, so you really, you obviously really wanted it. I really wanted it. Because yeah. I'd seen the film and I thought, oh, this is amazing, you know. But I was a fourth year, he was never going to give it to me. But anyway, so I ended up being in the chorus, and that was the first time I was ever on stage. And then I was the lead the next year when when he'd gone. But anyway, so when it came up in Blackpool, I saw it, it they were auditioning for it. I thought, right, right, I'm going to get it. I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to play that part. So I did, I got it, I got it. And I, I ended up playing it eventually. So, so you were doing that in tandem with, with the initial training at Blackpool Fire College? Yeah, yeah, I'd do it like on Thursday and Tuesdays and rehearse and then, you know, so I was quite busy. I um, really busy because I remember being thrown in at 16 and they were long days. Sometimes yeah. you were leaving there at 7, 8 at night and yeah. starting at 8, 8.30 in the morning. Yeah, the rehearsals and all that, yeah. especially for the shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, but I just immersed myself in it because we did um, O-levels as well. You know, we had to do proper lessons, which mm. I, I wasn't interested in at all. No. I think I did 3D design, sociology. <laughs> I just never <laughs> went. I can't believe they didn't throw me out. But, um, yeah, I, so I just got really into the rehearsal thing and the reading and, the you know... Yeah, yeah. So the, the straight plays were, I thought, was where it's at. Even though the musicals were fun, until the third year when they did the boyfriend, um, which I hated. And Why I, did you I, hate I, that I so was much? the lead in it because well, it was the style of it. I, was, oh, I hated it. Hated the music. I hated all of it. Hated it. 
And I, I literally, I did it with gritted teeth. I used to wear, I had to wear a pillbox hat and do a stupid tap dance. And it was awful. It was set in the twenties. Hated it. And that put me off for life. And that was it. <laughs> so, we're yeah. done. We're done. We're done. Me and musical theatre. Yeah. Did you, when did you start to gain knowledge of the next step? Because the, the obviously the next step there was to to go to London and go to drama school. Yeah, who was helping you out with with all that? Um, were you, or were you trying? Were you just digging deep and finding out for yourself? Um, I think yeah, digging deep and finding out for yourself. And everybody auditioned, didn't they? They didn't they? If I remember rightly, you'd sort of get auditions for drama school, and I, yeah, I, but there were some people I remember at the end of mine, who were going, yeah, it's not for me, this, I'm not going to yeah. carry on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, th- I think that's good, isn't it? Because, and, you know, at that early age, and, and, and a lot of them, there were some, like, uh, older uh, pupils that, well, well, they were older then, they were probably, like, in the early 20s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought they were old. But, um, yeah, and some people would think, actually, you know what, it, they, I, I, I thought I was going to do it, but I'm not, you know. And that's brilliant, I think. Because, you know... Well, they, how fantastic at such a, a young age that they know that that isn't for them. Yeah. Because sometimes I, I remember going back from graduating at drama school and going, them going, yeah, after all that, after these three years, no, nah, it's not for me. Yeah. But great that they know. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've got it out of their system. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, yeah, and no, it was just, how did I get to London? I think I auditioned for um, Manchester. Mm. Um what was it called? The one that John Thompson and Steve Coogan went to. Um, what, 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 I think it was called the Manchester Poly, wasn't it? Yeah, the drama thing there. Yeah. Um, and I remember that because I remember going to stay. There was a guy called Neil Gallery who had left the year before for Blackpool. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he lived with John Thompson and Steve Coogan. I stayed, excuse me, I stayed with him. Um, and I remember it because it's the first time I actually heard the Rolling Stones. He was playing Exile on Main Street. And I remember saying, Who's this? And he said it's the Rolling Stones, and that was a game changer. Also, wow! So I remember that night, and we went to the pub, and Steve Coogan and John Thompson were, were students there, and, and I just remember them being really funny, and that we had a great time. Anyway, I didn't get in; I was gutted. Um, what age was this? Was it eighteen? Yeah, eighteen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I auditioned for Rada. I didn't get in. Um, I, I used to come down to Liverpool, uh, to London quite a lot, you know, and audition, and uh, I think I auditioned for Central or. Lambda, I can't remember. Mm. There was a few. I, I didn't get in. The, the one that I got in, I got into two. I think. I think I got into Arts Ed and Drama Centre. Two very different vibes. Two very, <laughs> very different schools. And the f- just to interrupt before you carry on, my first introduction to any drama school was the BBC documentary. Oh yeah, of, of the Drama Centre. Was it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. And I remember seeing you on that documentary. I kept away. I didn't know I was hardly I in saw it. you. I mean, you flashed, flashed up a, it was a little flash. bit. Yeah, yeah. You weren't one that was vying for the no. camera by any stretch. But it terrified me. As as a 15 or 16-year-old or whatever I was, I thought, it's that. That's <laughs> what they do. Yeah. It was an extreme drama school, let's put it that way. Let's talk about it, because it hasn't come up in all these years, really, Drama Centre. I've had people who... Uh, maybe not gone to, to drama school when I'm talking to actors, but some that have gone to RADA and had like awful times or other drama schools and had and had really terrible times. But drama centre training back then, I'm sure it's probably changed. A well, bit is now. it a thing now? Is it still there? I don't. I think it's gone. Oh, it's gone now. Is it? I think so. I think. It, I think you're probably right. It went to a college. It went to. It became part of a college. It was for me. It was gone, and you know, not to. Um, you know, to diss any, anybody that, you know... But uh, for, for me, because I was a traditionalist, it was, it was Christopher Fettis and Yat Malmgren. Mm. They, they were the two things, the big the big draws of that place. And uh, They're quite famous for it, aren't yeah, they? I mean, they're so, uh, so well associated with that yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. And it was in Chalk Farm. And, and then, it, <clears throat> so it, and then it, it moved and they weren't there. And, and after that, I thought, well, is that drama centre? I, I don't know. I, I'm sure, you know, they carried on the traditions, and I'm sure it was really good. I'm sure it was a great school. I think it joined St Martin's College or something. Right. Anyway, but, um, yeah, I, I after that, I, I didn't really sort of pay much attention because, you know, I was gone, and they were gone, and that was that. It was a thing of the past. And also, I, I didn't really try... I tried not to think about it for too much because <laughs> it was quite... We used to call it Trauma Centre, and that's what it was known as. Yeah. And it was really, really, really full on. And, and I, I would not say that I enjoyed it. It wasn't enjoyable, really. There were moments, but my God, it was, it was, oh. Was it quite deadly serious training? Yeah. 
it was really, really intense. And, um, and you know, it, it just wasn't a holiday camp. It, it really wasn't. It, it, was, it was... We used to go and do ballet for hours in the morning in, like, these leotards in this black room, you know, um, getting hit with a stick if your foot wasn't high enough. And it was just... It was, like, above and beyond anything you're ever going to come up against. And there was the sword of Damocles hanging over your head the whole time. And, and Yat's work, Yat Malmgrim, um, it, was, it, was, it was like math to me. I, I just didn't get it. There were diagrams involved and we would talk about movement psychology and, and it, was, it was really difficult. Um, and I felt really stupid when I was there because when I arrived, I just felt, I, I realised I wasn't that well read. And so on top of everything else, of, of, of the rehearsals and the plays, and, you know, we do these, like, obscure Russian plays, and, and on top of all that, I would read, uh, um, you know, away from the school, I would start reading Dostoevsky and Dickens and, you know, try and educate myself. So mm. I, I get like I did at, at, at St Anne's, I would do extra curricular stuff to try and catch up, speed, get yeah. up, you know. Mm. And so that's what I did. I, I just taught myself. And, and I will say one thing, you know, it, it gave me an education, you know, even by default. It, it was like, okay, I, I know I'm quite well read. After those three years, I'd read loads. Yeah. Um, and broke down loads of barriers and thought, actually, that's really good. That's not scary. That's really good. But eventually the movement psychology and the diagrams, they started to make sense when we stood up and did it. And I, I thought, oh, oh. Is that all that is? Is that what that is? You know, all these diagrams and things, that, that's what that means. And I thought, well, isn't that obvious? You know, I thought that. And then I thought, I, I'm at the wrong drama school here. <laughs> I think I might be at the wrong place. Um, but but having said that, um, it was an amazing training. And, and I think they could have got, you know, they could have dragged anyone from uh, the street, from anywhere, and, and if they'd adhered to all these rules and, you know, over three years, they, could, they would become a competent actor. And I think it was like by numbers, they, they would knock you down and then they would build you up again. And I, I didn't like the being knocked down no. because I, I'm sure I had something before and it's kind of like I don't need to be completely crushed in order to be rebuilt in your image. In your mould. Yeah, yeah, your mould. Yeah, yeah. And so I rebelled against it a little bit. And I did try and leave. Um, I, I one, at one point, I walked out um, halfway through the second year because people would just get thrown out all the time. Well, I was going to say, it was, there was loads, it was always the same. You are always scared that you wouldn't make the cut. Terrified, yeah. And it was, it was quite a fearful place. You know, it was, it was brutal. And, um, but I ducked my way and dived my way underneath everything and somehow got through it and then thought halfway through the second year, I've got to get out of here. I can't, I can't do this. So I... Um, was, it, what, was it just draining you? Yeah, it, it was terrifying. And, and, it was, and I'd, I'd, for some reason, I'd moved down from the north with a girlfriend... I shouldn't have done that. You know, she came with me and she got a job and then I ended up getting jobs in bars because I was skinned, obviously, yeah, we were all yeah, skinned. Yeah. And it was just a really tough time, you know, living in horrible bedsits and, you know, it was, it was grim um, in 80s London, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, at one point I walked out and I, I, I auditioned for Blood Brothers in the West End because I was working as an usher there. And I thought, I could do that. I could do that. I've done musicals. <laughs> So I took did, my guitar. Did you see my tone? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> riff. <laughs> oh, you were a riff. Riff. Right. Yeah, riff. Um, but no one saw my riff. No. <laughs> um, and so I went in with my guitar, and I used to busk. I used to go down King's Cross and busk and try and earn money. I mean, that was. It, I, I still can't quite believe I did that. But I, I went in with my guitar and auditioned for Blood. I think I sang like an Eddie Cochran song and sort of auditioned for it and lied and said I had left college and I'd got an agent, but I'd forgotten the CV. It was just nonsense. I mean, they're going to fall like, for that. For God's sake, yeah. I mean, <laughs> anyway, I didn't get it. Um, so that was one time. And then, and then I sent off forms to try and audition for RADA again. I thought, I'm going to try it again with RADA. Right. And I didn't end up going back. And then another time, I, and this was the, the one where I, this was the last time, I got so sick of it. I walked out of a lesson. I went to the office, said, I'm leaving. That's it. We're done. I'm finished. And I walked out and I just wandered out into the street. And wandered, and it's in Chalk Farm, so I walked down to Camden. Yeah. And the, the old Everyman Cinema, you know, where you could smoke in it and, you know, it was there. It was, mm. It's not there anymore. But, um, Weirdly, I thought, I'm just going to go into that cinema, I'm going to watch whatever's on, and I'm just going to sit at the back and think, what have I just done? <laughs> you know? And what was on was David Thewlis in Naked. It wasn't. Yeah, it was, yeah. 
And I walked into that cinema and that was what was showing. Just one of those, again, sliding door moments. Absolutely. And I sat at the back and it blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. And I thought, I'm going back. I'm going back. So I went back about two and a half hours later, walked up to the office, and I went, I didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> and I went back and went, okay, you ready? And they were, they were great. They went, go on then. You, know, you can go into lessons still going on. And so I walked back in and sat down, and well, that was they, the end. They must have had, over the years, other students do that. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, and, sh- and then just pivot and come back in and go, do you know what I said? Yeah. I didn't mean it, I didn't mean that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and do you know what? Christopher loved me. He was terrifying, but he was an incredible man. And he's still I think he's still alive. He's very old now, but what an incredible man. And so is Yat and and you know, but but the main guy for for, for me at that place was uh, uh Reuven Adiv. He was the acting teacher and he used to, he was like Lee Strasberg's assistant and he used to teach Paul Newman and Marilyn Monroe and, and we regale us with tales of uh, of all these massive superstars, you know, back in the day and and he was wonderful. Wow. He was just wonderful. And so his classes, they really, really, really changed my life. And, and um, I'll always be in debt to him because he was, he was the main guy for me. And Christopher, um, he was lovely, Christopher, to me. He was, you know, I, I, like I said, I just ducked my way around it. One time he came up to me and he went, you have a tendency to be um, very lazy, which is unforgivable. <laughs> but understandable. <laughs> and he sort of gave me this, I went, what does that mean? I mean, what are you saying there? What are you saying? You're saying that I, you know, he said, it's fine, you just carry on. <laughs> and then they gave me the leads and I got an agent and I left and it was fine. So I, it was all right in the end. Mm. But at the beginning, it was really heavy, you know, but yeah, we got through it, I got through it. But you do have to go through you it. You just got to go through it, yeah. What were they like with, on a whole, with the students, especially in the third year, about, right, you're going out. Go on, you're going out into it now. Yeah. Did they prepare you for failure? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what they talked about a lot. You mm. know, it's like, you, you know, you're probably not going to work. You know, you, you know if, if you're lucky, you might, you know, get a, a bit part in a touring production of Uncle Vanya or something. Um, but it was all classical theatre training. There was nothing else. I mean, we actually, weirdly, in the second year, we did Merrily We Roll Along, Sondheim musical, Weirdly, so maybe they were trying to prepare you for something else, but um, but I we I don't remember ever doing any camera training ever. Not, not even any, like, not any. even like half an hour. No, I don't remember doing no. it. I might we might have done, but I don't remember. I remember we had an actor come in and talk to us about it, um, but that was it. Um, and and you know when you're a first year, you 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 were the crew for the third year showing. So right. you would just work your ass off all yeah. the time. It's like you know, it's like being the equivalent of a boot boy in a football club. You used to shine their boots, and and so and and we were the extras if they needed crowds or anything like that. Um, so it was it was yeah it was it was absolutely relentless. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great training in the end. It was you know, I'm glad I went actually. So how was it stepping out into into the well, real. World. Yeah, it was really. <laughs> or, or the unreal. World. Yeah, I know. It, well, it was never as bad as that, and they were right. You know, mm-hmm. it's like we will prepare you, and you will go above and beyond whatever you're going to, you know, come come across in real life. I think. Mm. Um, but again, you know, I was kind of blessed and lucky, and and um, I got an agent. We did. Um, I used to get the leads, and we did. We did. What was it? We did the mysteries. Right. And, and me and Joe Dutine were these hundred-year-old priests under loads of makeup and Caiaphas and Anas. And uh, I thought, how am I going to get an agent <laughs> looking, like, looking this. like this? <laughs> I was like, sort of walking on with a hunchback and like sort of like, you know, like the, like the emperor from a Star Wars. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm 19. I'm like, this is not what, I'm not going to get cast as this. Yeah. You know? Anyway, so we did, it was great, it was great fun. But I thought, oh no, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then the, the year after that, the, no, the next term we did The Possessed by, which is Dostoevsky, but Camus. It was a translation by Camus. And I played Peter Vukivensky, I think it was called that. I can't remember. I just plucked that out of nowhere. Um, and he, he was one of the leads and it was a great part. And um, I got an agent. And, and I got an agent uh, a term before we left. And he got me a job straight away on Rumpole of the Bailey. And so I left early and they let me go. And they were great. They were great. And after doing three years of intense classical theatre training, I didn't work in the theatre 
for about eight, eight nine years. <laughs> ah. And so I had to learn camera technique on the hoof. Yeah. You know, and luckily we had Heartbeat and The Bill. And so I did my little apprenticeship on camera. Which was, at those times, it was that was television rep. That was television rep. And, you know, especially The Bill. I mean, yeah. that was like rep for producers, actors, writers, directors, wasn't it? It yep. was just, it was invaluable. And it was, it was you know, gutty when, when, when it was pulled that... Um, it's a shame because it's such a brilliant training ground. Everybody yeah. from like from our generation and prior has been through it. Yeah, yeah. You do casualty or the bill or yeah. you know, and and you'd you'd be on it. You'd been in it, but you know, yeah. Sometimes you'd bounce. You know, you go and do three episodes of the bill, and you'd go and do a casualty. Yeah. And you go, well, that's like a few months of my life, and now I've I've learned shitloads yeah. about being in front of a camera yeah. or. You know, working with a crew or working with an ensemble of people or working doing a two ander or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. just stuff that you wouldn't you don't learn in those three years. No, it, exactly. it is. It's such a shame that that's things like that have been pulled. Yeah, I agree. Is it there really an equivalent is. now? I don't think there is. I mean casualties still on. You know, episodic, yeah. you know, you get guest artists in every episode mm-hmm. and you know, there must be some. I don't watch loads of telly, but um, you know, there no, must but be that that turnaround of the bill, because I think at its height, wasn't it on like three times a week? Yeah. Possibly more. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. The, the cameras were constantly rolling on the bill. And there were two um units, weren't there? Yeah. They, they were filming at the same blue and red or something, and yeah. It was um it was great. I, mean, I, I yeah. I, I I remember on on the bill I, I uttered the immortal lines. Um I'm going to walk away from this. You got nothing on me. Oh, that's it. <laughs> in the in the interview room, um, it was great. I loved it. And, and then and then I did a sitcom really early on as well with David Threlfall. With, yeah, and he was like a hero of mine because he did Smike and, and he did that famous Smike in the Great Expectations. Um, and yeah, he was like that was that was mad because that was a. Uh, that was not what I was used to be doing, you know, a, a, a comedy. But there was an audience and there was cameras. That was, like, really confusing. So you yeah. film it live, you know. Of course, because there's, like, with those with the studio audience, you've got them there and you've got at least three cameras, possibly more. Yeah, so you can do it again if you mess it up. Yeah, but also, you know, you've only got those audience there for two or three hours, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you rehearse it all week, like a mini play, and then... If you mess up or they get the camera wrong or something else, they'll they'll do the scene again. And they had um, was it Ted Robbins was the warm up guy, <laughs> yeah. And um, I, it was great actually. That was a real um, learning curve for me as well. That was that was great because that was. Do you play to the audience or do you play for the camera? That's the thing. Difficult. I I remember when I first did it and exactly the same. I was going, oh no, I can't play this. Yeah, like too big. Having, like we're having a conversation. No, and of no. course I can't play it like we're on a stage because there's yeah, it's going to be like right camera, up in your face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So where do you pitch? And difficult. Yeah, it's really hard because in that week of rehearsal, the cameras aren't there. No, it's only when you go into a studio in the morning and they're all there, and then then you're you're constantly tweaking and turning up and turning yeah. down. But yeah. it's, it's a you're right. It's a, what did you learn in that? Is that like right? Um, I, it's that's not what I want to do. No, well, kind of. I thought, yeah, I, I thought that's not what I want to do. Yeah, but which is, ve- I think it's really important. Really to, important. To, to know. Yeah, almost like the the musical thing. I, I well, never thought it, about it actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I've done it, and I think I don't want to do that. But it it happens because what I mean, I've already talked about me on this because it's naff. But my first job straight out of graduation was a musical in the West End. Was it? What, and, what was it? And I can't sing, John. I can't dance. <laughs> what was the musical? I'm just six foot four and I've got a deep voice. It was the best acting I've ever done. I totally blanked <laughs> it. It was uh, it was Martin Gare in the West End. Oh, right, yeah. And there's yeah. like sort of dance that's a bit like a cloggy tap dance. It's really hard work. And I was just... Do you know when you just go, I... I am so underqualified for this job. Yeah, what am I doing here? What am I doing? (laughs) You know those times early on you go, they've got the wrong, they've definitely picked up the wrong... Imposter syndrome. Oh, absolutely. But but like to the height of a 21-year-old getting a cheque every week and go, and I've also given, I've got to understudy somebody. Oh, yeah. And and then on the other hand, do you go back to working in Pizza Hut in Wood Green? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in yeah. between yeah. So working at the pub. But what's best? I'll just I'll carry on and I'll do, do this for a bit. You know? <laughs> yes. But saying that, that made me go, yeah, this I can't do this. Yeah, I don't, yeah. this is not in my skill set. So it's good to yeah. go through things and go, 
this is not for me. Yeah, you get it out of the way, I guess. You try it and, and you know. Oh, I try. I mean, yeah, yeah you try it, you blag it. Yeah, you <laughs> blag yeah. it. But also, that is a learning curve, isn't it? Because you find yourself in those situations. It's the same as, like, leaving home at 16 or 18 and, and coming to London. I mean, especially then. Mm. You know, you're on your own. At that age, you know, I've got a, a, a 20-year-old boy now and I can't imagine him doing that. Not that he would have to because he thought he was born in London. But from when we were, where we were, it yeah. was like you, we had to get out of there. We had to leave there and, and come to London. And so it was terrifying. And, and so when you find yourself in those situations, travelling on trains and you've missed a train and you're on your own and there were no mobile phones and all that kind of stuff and you've got to get a job because you can't afford the bedsit rent and you're also studying and you're, you, know, you might get thrown out and, you know, it was... It made you grow up, you know. Yeah, quick. Absolutely, yeah, quick. And, and, and you know, survival mode. And, and that's also the same, isn't it? If you find yourself on stage in a musical and you think, what am I doing here? But your survival mode will get you through that job. Oh, and it did. And it did, yeah. 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 I remember when I first came down to London when I was just on the cusp of 18, I hadn't been on a tube before and I'd got all my bags for drama school and I was leaving at Euston. I've never been on a tube. Yeah. You know what it's like on a tube. It's nice and comfy. You're swaying in and out. Fell asleep. Fell asleep. Woke yeah. up Heathrow. <laughs> Ru- not only did I not get off, I got on the wrong tube on the opposite... Heathrow? Yeah. <laughs> Where were you supposed to be going? Wood Green. <laughs> <laughs> that is a learning curve. It really was. Yeah, yeah. And that was seemed like a long... That was a long journey. Oh, that is a long journey. I mean, I'd just done um, Preston to Euston, which... Back in those days, it was, was long. really long. Not yeah. like it's much quicker now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you, because um, I know a lot of Northerners did this, I'm sure people still do, but I gravitate to more Northerners in London. Yeah, because, well, I there was... Whether by accident or not. Yeah, you sort of do, don't you? It's yeah. just weird, that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, well, at the beginning, I, the, I did know a couple of people which was really lucky. I knew Craig Kelly, who had been to college with me in Blackpool. Of course, yeah. And I knew Ken Christensen, who was also at college in Blackpool. God, I always remember... I've never met Ken Christensen, but I always remember his name. Like, yeah. The Blackpool Fire College went, that's a good name. It's a strong name. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we, all, we, we knew each other, so we sort of, you know, stuck together a little bit. and So that, that helps, you know, so we weren't completely on your own. Yeah. But you were real. I mean, you know, it, it was you, it was fend for yourself, really. You know, in in, in actual life itself. But yeah, you sort of like. And once you go into the auditions, then oh, you're completely naked yeah, and on your Forget own. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, no, I think I did graduate, and and also, like, like I said, I came down with that with my girlfriend, which was a massive mistake. I don't know why I did that. I thought I was in love, and I was seventeen. I think I got engaged. <laughs> Shit. I think. I think I did, yeah. I don't know if it was serious, but I definitely bought a ring. But that was a that was another learning curve, you know. Um when did when did you, the relationship you, you live and learn. <laughs> did it did it did it last the full three years of drama school? Um no, it didn't. It, no. Uh, not not by the end, no. She got a job in a bar and she was running this bar and I, I was working in the bar. With the bar I used to dance in a cage in cycling shorts. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's back right up. Yeah, Podcast yeah. exclusive. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> a strong image. No, and I have I'm sure I've said this before, so because maybe I just said it to someone in private. <laughs> Um, no, I used, it was called the Buzz Bar in Leicester Square, and I had a T-shirt saying Buzz on it, and I used to cycling shorts and a yeah. vest. And when they played either Grease Lightning, YMCA, uh, Venus by Banana Rama, yeah. I can't remember the other one. I can't remember the other one. But we'd have to jump up and do a dance routine. You had dance routines set for specific songs. Yeah, yeah, we'd done, we'd done the dance, yeah, we we did the dance routine for the song. Uh, and this is as well as working behind the bar in the West End and uh, drunken businessmen and it was packed and it was the 80s. It was a nightmare. Um, and, and yeah, we lived together and she ended up running off with the DJ. Did she? <laughs> she did. I can laugh about it now. There's you trapped in a cage. At the time. Oh, you must have thought I was a right pillock, you know. <laughs> like, much in, yeah, anyway. But, all, you know, it's, you live in love. have to earn a crust <laughs> at such a young age. Don't it? it means dancing in a cage. Listen, it was five pounds an hour. And then that was Good money. That was then. good money. Yeah. And then, so when I when I left there, by some I'm sort of thrown out in the end, I ended up working at the Albury Theatre. It was was the Albury Theatre. I think it's not that now, is it? Um, that's where Blood Brothers was on. Um, no, the Phoenix Theatre. It's now. Oh, it moved to the Phoenix. Oh yeah. Oh, it's right. now. Is it now the Noel Coward? Whatever it's called. It's, it's just up from the Duke of York's. 
On St Martin's Lane? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I worked there um, and ended up being an usher, which was perfect. I loved that. That was great. It wasn't as much money, but I was in the theatre. I just loved being in theatre, you know. But, yeah, so it's a terrible job. So terrible, um, you know, learning curves, like sort of don't, don't get engaged at 17 and bring your girlfriend down to London with you when you're I at mean, Drama Centre. We've all been there, surely. Been there. I know. Stupid. How was auditions for you? Because obviously you said you were quite lucky to come out of the traps and get a job straight away and yeah. do that sort of television rep. Yeah. But how did you find auditions in the early days? Um, because then, you know, then... I was quite cocky well, then. Yeah, yeah. I had sort of a lot of confidence and I was quite mouthy. I sort of played up the northern thing, you know, because at the time... See, it was... I, think, I think everybody plays up the northern thing when they're younger. Yeah, do you think? Yeah, and, well, and especially at that time, because it was the it was the Mondays and the Roses, and the, and, and you know, and we it, being northern was really cool. It was wasn't very it? cool to be northern, and yeah. also you got to remember, it was you know, Cracker was just was 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 about to sort of burst yeah. open. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And nobody had seen any television like that before because it really yeah. sort of grabbed you by the scruff of the neck and slapped you around the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so, that, and yeah. that was the game changer for me, Cracker. That was was it? Was that was that the job? That was the job. Yeah, that changed everything. Yeah, because up until then, I'd, I'd, I'd played a lead in some things, and you know, I'd done bits and bobs. But then Cracker was a massive. It was just serendipity, Cracker, because the episode of Cracker that I did was written by Paul Abbott. So I got Paul Abbott and Jimmy McGovern on side, and I worked with Liam Cunningham. It was like a two-hander. Yeah, and it was just a dream job. And I remember Liam Cunningham coming into the trailer on the first day and said. It doesn't get much better than this, kid. It does not get much better than this. And I thought, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm like, got to really don't mess this up, you know. And then that was that. And then because because of, of that, uh, I got the lakes, Jimmy Mag- Jimmy McGovern, of course. Yeah. And that, that that was it. Changed everything. Yeah. And it kind of just sort of snowballed and from snowballed there, from didn't there. it? Yeah. And yeah. The black leather jacket just keeps yeah it kept, kept coming yeah. back for years. I just remember. Why John's always got his black leather jacket on. <laughs> I know. I've, I've had to get rid of it. You know, I don't do it anymore. But, well, the um, brown one came back a bit on Life on Mars. Sure. Yeah, but there was, there was, I had a black one on Life on Mars. Oh, did you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> 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 but no, I was really cocky at the beginning. I, I'm terrible at auditions now. And, it, and it, when I got later on, it was terrible. And then I remember doing theatre in like 1996. I did at the Bush. Um, Which, um, for those that don't know, is. One of the tiniest spaces in London. Yeah, it was then. It was above a pub in yeah. in, in Shepherd's Bush. Yeah, um, yeah, and that and that was terrifying because I hadn't been on stage since I left, um, and and that was brilliant. I loved doing that. And then I didn't do theatre again for ten years. Did you feel a need at that moment at the bus that you, you, I've got to do this now? Yeah. Otherwise, it might not ever happen. Yeah, I kind of. I just thought I, I really miss it. I miss it. And, and filming was great fun and everything. New. It was new to me and mm. it was brilliant. Um, but you'd been learning so much on, 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 on camera at, yeah. at that point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you started to feel quite comfortable in front of the camera. Quite comfortable in front of the camera. It was, it, even though it was still quite exciting. Yeah. yeah. But, um, it still I, is. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's got more exciting. Life on Mars sort of did me in with, uh, as far as that's concerned because I was in every scene of that. And, and I, I eventually... Didn't feel anything at all when the light went on, and that was a problem um, because I I was in every scene. It was just relentless. It was like a line learning exercise. It was like I cannot learn these lines in time, and so straight after Life on Mars, I went back to the theatre and did Elling. But what I hadn't realised, I went back to the bush. What I hadn't realised is that I'd been on telly, so it was packed. You know, and it was like oh my god, and that was terrifying. And a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Never had that before, and then that went into the West End. And it was so terrifying, but such fun. And also, it was a two-hander. It was more or less, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. There but was, it was a, mainly mainly you and Aidy Bauer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but it was brilliant, and it, it, it went down really well. And and after that, I thought, don't ever leave it that long again. And ever since then, I've tried to do it every year, or every other year. I've been back on stage, and I just got back into theatre again. But but the first one in the nineties, Goldhawk Road, was 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 great, and Neil Stute was in it, and. Oh, um, yes, that's where I met Neil. Because <laughs> um, I saw it at the bus. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, Goldhawk Road? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you? Yeah, yeah, in that tiny little sweaty black box. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And that was Paul Miller who directed that and Simon Bent who went... And when I went back and did theatre, I, I worked with Paul Miller and Simon Bent on Elling 
and then me and Paul Miller did Hamlet and Macbeth and, you know, it's like, you know, stick to what you know. So every time I do theatre, I'd, like, grab Paul Miller and, you know. But also stick working with people where you've got a shorthand. Yeah, I yeah, always, yeah. I always love it when I go back and do a new project in, on camera with a director or a producer or a writer that I've worked with before, yeah, especially a director. Yes. Because it's like... I know what you need, yeah. and you know what I can give you, yeah. so we don't need to waste too much time. We can just get on with it and try and get the best take possible. Yeah, that's and true. I love a shorthand. Yeah, and that must so be true. like that, especially with theatre as well. Yeah, I think so. In the rehearsal, it really helps. Mm. But de- also, I absolutely agree with you about the director of filming. I, that, that That's happened a lot. Like S.J. Clarkson, who did a lot of Life on Mars, I've worked with her a lot. And, and weirdly enough, uh, John Alexander, who directed the first episode of Grace. yeah, yeah. I knew him, yeah. and so that was great. And you're right, you do. You get something for nothing there, and and you you cut out a lot of nonsense. Well, yeah, but it's time and investment, and you know, testament to all the years of grafting and working really hard and yeah. trying to get up through the ranks and trying to work with really interesting, brilliant people. Yeah, and I'm yeah. sure you worked with John when he was just starting out because I think John, am I right in saying John came from documentaries? I think he did. I yeah. think he did. Yeah, I think he did. As I worked yeah. with him, yeah, I think he very did. early on. Yeah, he'd just come into drama. Just, yeah. I don't really talk about jobs that much on this because I find it's kind of dull. But when you got the script for Life on Mars, did you go, this could be absolute dog shit? Yeah. Because it's, it's kind of bonkers on the page. Ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, well, I threw it in the bin. I got, I got to the bit where he wakes up in the 70s and I went, what? And I turned back and went, what? I was like, I was like what? is there some pages missing? I was like, what's going on? And I just could not get my head around it. Yeah. I rang my agent and I went, and she said, did you read that script? I went, oh, yeah, that's, that's, I forget that. And she went, oh, no, no, I think that's going to be really good. She went, where is it? I said, it's in the bin. She went, take it out of the bin and read it again. I went, oh, okay, God bless her. You know? mm. um, and, uh, but isn't it important to have somebody that not only, you know, guides you, but steers your career and goes, no, yeah. you know, for this instant, take it back out of the bin. Yeah, trust now. me. Trust me. Trust me. Yeah, yeah this Again, is why, why you pay me. But see, that relationship is about trust. Absolutely. But trust is a two-way thing. Yeah, and you have to trust them. I know, so, but yeah. I, I speak to so many younger actors who are terrified of their agents. Really? I don't want, yeah. I go, well, that's... Just because you haven't been working for a bit it's fine we've all not been working that was just the way it is don't be terrified of ringing them up or dropping them an email it's a relationship and whatever it's a friendship or it's a romantic relationship or it's a relationship at work yeah it has to have investment you have to invest in it you have to work it yeah 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 be scared of it imagine imagine being in a a loving relationship and you're terrified of your boyfriend or your girlfriend I'm sure that happens I'm sure well I know it happens I'm sure sure but like that's not a relationship is it no think about it like that it's certainly not a healthy relationship certainly not no yeah exactly no no but so yeah I was I've got a great relationship with my agent she's great and and I completely trust her and she's absolutely right and then I read it and finished it I thought oh do you know what if if this works, it, it could be absolutely brilliant, uh, or it could be absolute dog shit. If it works, if it works. But the yeah. thing is, those types of scripts come along every so often. Yeah, not a lot, but every so often. Yeah, and you go. It's worth a gamble. It's definitely worth a gamble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's give it a go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, didn't work in America though, did it? No, no. It's, it's weird, isn't it, with America because they do. It happened with that happened with Elling. Um, we had this hit play in the West End, mm. and it was a smash hit. And um, and for some reason, they wanted to take it to America, and re- they, w- they wanted to take me, not Paul Miller or any of the other cast, to, to take me doing that performance of Elling with a different director and a whole different cast and do it again. And I was like, but it, it's the whole production, which is, it, that won't be the same production. They wanted, like, um, some... Star American star to play Aidy's part, and can't remember his name now. Um, but it was uh, a terrible idea, and so Wait, I said no. But how many terrible ideas are there? It, you know, it closed after two weeks. Did it? Oh, so they, they they went to do it. They did it, recast it, different production, different. It's like the same play, but like what? How dare you? It's you know? working because of all these components. Absolutely, yeah. The, the, every every part of this machine yeah. is running so efficiently because of. Everybody in it. If yeah. you take one out, yeah, it doesn't work it's anymore. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. 
Um, yeah, so they did. Yeah, they did it with um, Life on Mars, and they, they, at one point, I was getting. They used to remake everything I was ever in. <laughs> it's like the state of state play, play, and you know, I was like, oh, come on. But well, life it's interesting Mars, yeah. because I'm, and I didn't mean to be disparaging about the American remake there at all. Because one, because I haven't seen it. But no, you look, I, But you look no. at it and you go, yeah, that, that could go, that could work. It was Harvey Keitel, wasn't it? I think it was Harvey Keitel and Michael Imporioli. Mm. Yeah, you know, Christopher from, yeah. from <laughs> Sopranos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's and, life and on Mars, and it's seven. It, this this could go. Yeah, but having mm. said that, yeah, life on Mars was kind of a pastiche of seventies cop shows, like Starsky and Hutch and, and the Sweeney. Sweeney. Yeah, it's like so. It's I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I I haven't seen it, but I, I I know that they messed up the ending somehow. They they I think they made it. It was on a spaceship or something. It was literally they were on a mission to Mars. Wow, they were all on a spaceship. I know. I thought that, but I haven't seen it, so I cannot comment. No, but that's what I heard, and um, yeah, it didn't work. It but the thing work. is, the life on Mars here had great. It had a great sense of humour. It was, yeah, it was aware yeah, yeah. of itself. I thought it was always very. I thought it was very funny. Yeah, it well, was funny. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can we talk about film and certainly early film? Yeah, because. We all know how hard it is to get low-budget films made now. But when you were starting off, and I'm talking about, there was straight-to-DVD films at that point and mm. like human traffic and stuff like that. There seemed to be quite a, a nice little machine going mm. here yeah. in the UK and also in Wales and in Scotland. And it seems to have slowed down quite a lot yeah. now. Yeah. You don't get as many... Sort of independent in, films. Indie films come no. through. no. No, and there's, there's more content now, isn't there? There's so many things <sighs> being made. Yeah, I mean, if you turn on Sky Movies now, there's like films that the new releases, and you've never heard of them. No, and like, was that on the cinema? Because if it was, I missed it, and maybe it wasn't, and it just went straight here. And there are there, there are so many of them, and full of massive stars, and you, it's daunting now. You think how how is a young actor going to get in? Uh, you know, is anyone? How will a young actor get a lead if he's an unknown? I mean, sometimes they do it. I think maybe they, you know, more in, in on the continent. Maybe they'll they'll trust in young talent. I don't know, but I don't know if they do anymore. And it, I don't know. Yeah, it's a shame. But you're right. That at that point there were there was a real buzz about independent films. Yeah, wasn't there? I mean, the, and, you know, and it was they were very seemed to be very cool. Yeah, they were, they, and yeah. there seemed to be not. A, there was never any budget, but the, I always think and always think back. There was a lot of trust given, yeah, to new writers and new directors. Yeah. Going, that's the director. You cast who you want. Yeah, we're not. Yeah. It's not going to be cast by the seventeen backers and producers. It's your film. It's your story. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's that was exciting. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember doing one called Boston Kickout in the yeah in the nineties. Yeah, and that was exactly that. And absolutely no budget whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> Um, yeah, but what what a buzz because you're part of it, yeah, you know, and you're you, you're on board, and you don't care about the fact there's no budget, you're not getting paid or anything. You, you invest in it, and it's everyone's. It was all you know. The writer was young, and everybody were all in the same boat, and it was just exciting, you know. Um, yeah, loved loved doing it, and a sense of freedom. Yeah, massively. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And was it like that on Human Traffic? Just to. Yeah, pin one film down of that. Uh, yeah, era. it was. That was. I mean, yeah, Human Traffic was was absolutely like that. It was. It was. We, we didn't audition. We just went to. We, you know, I talked to Justin Kerrigan and basically said, "Have you been out? Have you have you taken any pills?" <laughs> and at that point, I'm not saying I had, Craig. No. Um, but at that point, that's that was my me and Sean. Park, it was our life. Me and Sean Parks. We went clubbing. That's what we did. That was when we read the script. We went, "Oh my god." <laughs> Oh my god! This is us. That's us. Yeah. So we went in and thousands and thousands of other people. It was such a massive um, that youth culture at that time. You know, it was the biggest thing on the planet, youth culture wise. And I think at that point they'd had that um, criminal justice act where they'd they'd banned repetitive beats. Remember that? Yeah. It was ridiculous. Um, so they say, no, you can't have raves and fields. So everybody, of course, went and well, had a rave in a field. field. And so it was a huge, huge, the, the culture of it was massive, the clubbing that went on. I don't know if it's like that anymore. I'm not sure. I don't know. But but it was a big deal. And this was at the arse end of the 90s. And, and I, you know, we just thought, well, 
that is absolutely bang on. I've never read anything that captures it. And and Justin Kerrigan was was a clubber, and that was it. And it was his first film, and you know. I mean, you can so tell it was a clubber. You can, yeah. In that film, and he's great in it as well, Justin. How the night is structured in the story wise yeah. yeah. isn't uh, for those that used to go clubbing. We don't do that anymore. No, 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 no. Old, good God, no. <laughs> Can you, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Uh, John, that is just such a perfect place to end this episode. <laughs> okay. um, thank you for spending your romantic Valentine's Day with me. I would, there was no one I would rather spend Valentine's Day with, Craig. That's yeah. not strictly true, but I'm, well, say, I'm saying it. Can we make sure we edit that last bit? <laughs> okay, cheers, John. Loads of love, mate. Thank you. You too, mate. Another episode is done. Yeah, everything and more. Um, as you know, we don't go into too many shows, but you know, it's nice to look back at John's varied career a little bit. Um, but he's just great company, isn't he? And that is John, you know, in a nutshell. Great company, very funny, lots of stories. Um, but yeah. It was a joy. And also it's shown, I say it on next week's episode and you can find out who next week's guest is if you support us over on Patreon. Mm, okay. Um, it's just nice. It's such a joy having people come round the house for a cup of tea and we just get down to it. Um, I hope you hear a difference uh, in the way the conversations are conducted uh, that are in person. Next week's is in person as well. So uh, hopefully, um, I mean, hopefully, you're definitely in for a treat. It's great. She is great. That's the only clue I'm giving you. Um, okay, well, that's it. Thank you so much for downloading, subscribing, telling your friends. Go do that. Um, I never really asked this. Do you want to go and leave us a review? Do it on the uh, the Apple Podcasts or wherever. Do other people do it? I don't know. Anyway, Apple Podcasts, do it. Go and give however many stars you believe we deserve. And tell us what you like. Um, that's always a nice thing to do. If you want to support us on Patreon, we're patreon.com forward slash two shot pod. You can donate and support these free conversations that I hope you feel you're not getting from any other podcast. I mean, my God, how many podcasts are there? I don't know, everybody's doing a podcast. But the thing is, we're an independent podcast. We always have been an independent podcast. We started this from scratch with zero listeners, zero followers, zero support. And it's really important to support independent podcasts because there are a lot of celebrities now and that's fine. They're doing their podcasts. They're getting paid from a company. They're getting paid to do their big live shows, sometimes in huge arenas. And that's, that's, it's fine. Yeah. But support the little guys and not just us, all independent podcasts deserve your ears and your support, and whether you're supporting financially or you're spreading the word, then, yeah, do that. That seems like a decent thing to do. Otherwise, we're just going to drown. And all you're going to get is the same conversations and the same people, and that's kind of what we pride ourselves here on not doing and not having the people on the podcast rounds, digging out the best stories and the best people. Speaking of the best people, you're the best people as well for supporting us and listening, okay? I mean that. Thank you so, so much. So, let's go. Until next week, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff, and this has been the Two Shot Podcast. Hopefully I'll see you next Thursday when when it's not raining. All right, take care. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. 
Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today, we talk brainstorms with UX designer Brian. Let's go. First question. You thought you'd see everyone's idea in the team brainstorm, but you've got a grand total of one. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board, right? Because in Miro, the team can add ideas now or later. And with privacy mode, we can keep them anonymous until they're good to share. Correct. Next, you need the best way to explain your idea, but all you have is a few sticky notes. Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board, because, you know, in Miro, I could record videos, add text, images, links, and digital sticky notes, of course. Present my thoughts the way I want. Right again! Now, you're looking for a past idea you thought was just genius. Only you could find... Oh! There it is. Drawing board or... Miro. Our finished and unfinished work lives in one place. And he's won. Join over 60 million people getting ideas noticed in Miro Brainstorms. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O dot com.